0: We are going to wrap up a series that we started a, a couple of weeks ago that we are calling the richest year. It's not about money. It's better than that. It's really us as a church saying yes to what we believe Jesus is inviting us into um, this year. Uh, We believe Jesus is calling us as a church to zone in on a number of things. And if we say yes, not just a few special ones of us, not just for those of us who consider ourselves uber spiritual, but each one of us, if we all say yes to this, we'll look back at the end of this year and say that was the richest year in the ways that mean the most, in the ways that matter the most. Our yeses led us to saying that was a rich year. And uh, so we're going to continue that conversation uh, today. And for us, we believe Jesus is calling his church to re-engage what he wants us to be and be about. And for us, we've narrowed it down to three things that we believe he's calling us to to, to jump all in on. Um, The first is that, man, we would be a movement of people who are learning what it looks like to embrace people where they are. That we want to be the, the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus. We want to show and share his love in our world. And we want to start by embracing people where they are. Loving and accepting people as they are where they are. Before they change, before they stop doing whatever, before they believe what we believe before we agree, before we approve, that we would accept and we would embrace because that's what Jesus did for us. And as we extend his love into the world, it'll be messy, it'll be uncomfortable, and yet we want to say yes to embracing people where they are. Um, but we don't want to just embrace people. That's not where it ends. The story is so much better than that. We want to encourage each other to love Jesus a little more, believing that life and fulfillment and joy is ultimately found in the person and the presence of Jesus. And so we cannot possibly say we love you well without inviting you to come and drink deep of the fountain of life in the person of Jesus Christ. You may say yes, you may say no, we will love you still, but boy, we can't really love you and not invite you to where life is found and it's found not in a list of rules, not in a bunch of activities but in the presence and the person of jesus christ and today we want to talk about mission after all we are mission point community church we believe he's inviting us to figure out what it looks like to fire each other up to arm each other to equip each other to live life on mission um, Man, I'm excited uh, about this. In fact, uh, Kirsten Criswell, our mission coordinator, is going to come and help me with the second half of this conversation. Because this isn't really a conversation until we figure out what does it look like for us to actually do the things we're talking about and not just talk about them. She's going to come and share some of the ways we believe the Lord is calling us to focus mission this year. And there is a place where every single one of you, the only thing missing is whether or not you will say... Yes. Um if you have a copy of the Bible, meet me in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Hey, if you've been here for the course of this series, uh, there's been a theme. We've been looking at Jesus' stories because we wanted to learn how Jesus lived and we want to learn what Jesus said, but there's a theme and every single week, and today is going to be no different, Jesus Christ has gone to a dinner party. So if you like a party, PG party preferably, Jesus is your guy. He did not mind getting down at a party or two. And so, uh, this story is going to be another Jesus Goes to a Party um, story. I'm sorry to parents who have to tell their kids who start saying, Mom, you said that Jesus... Uh, it's a different kind of party. But nonetheless, if you have a copy, meet me there. Luke chapter 19. Let's talk mission. Um, verse 1 says this. And we're going to pause just to make some observations. Jesus entered Jericho... And was passing through. Now this is an emotional story and it starts in a really emotional way. Uh, When Luke says Jesus is passing through, Jesus is making his final approach to Jerusalem. Where he's going to be betrayed and abandoned by his closest friends. Where he's going to be tortured and killed. To gladly offer his life so that we undeserving people might have forgiveness and freedom in him that's on his heart he knows this is coming and at this point in jesus's life and ministry he is viral he is the most well-known person on the planet uh trending jesus can't go anywhere without a crowd and so when he steps into the jericho city limits you better believe there is a crowd in um, Standing room only. Verse number two. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. Boo! that would have been the emotional response of luke's original readers when they heard a tax collector showed up on the scene boo now we might read this and the thing we might notice is oh dude was loaded sweet ah yeah that's not what they would have paid the most attention to in that description their response would have been oh gross a corrupt traitor this would kind of be like me saying, um. So, um, really, really wealthy dude um, who was uh, a January 6th participant. You might quickly forget the wealthy part of it, and you might have an emotional response that said, traitor to our country. And oh, yes. I am fully aware of the fact that you hope I'm talking about the traders that were inside the Capitol. Or you hope I'm talking about the traders that were outside of the Capitol. Depending on which trader stirs your ire. I'm an equal opportunity offender. My point is the emotions that stir up when you describe those people. Whoever those people are to you. And one of you is wrong. But whoever those people are to you. That would have been the feeling when you said, tax collector, you traitor to our nation, except it would have been felt infinitely more. Zacchaeus was a Jewish man who worked for the oppressive Roman Empire, and he would use his power... To bully and intimidate and threaten or imprison whatever he needed to do to squeeze ungodly amounts of tax money out of his own people. So dude was rich but it was blood money a traitor to his own people in order to become wealthy and make the oppressive Roman Empire a little more wealthy. He would have been a hated character in that community, especially among the religious folks. But jerks are curious too. Verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was, But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So large bank account, apparently uh, short stature. Ah. Zach had to lay eyes on this miracle-working teacher he had heard so much about. The problem was no amount of his money could buy him a reserved front row seat when Jesus came into town. And so he couldn't see through the crowd. And so he became super innovative and reverted to his childhood days. And um, dude uh, made a move. Verse number four. So he ran ahead. And climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I must hang out at your house today. I must come to dinner at your place today. So he came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. Boo! What? Jesus? Notice, by the way, I like this. It doesn't say that Jesus looked up and noticed Zacchaeus. He already knew he was there. He already knew his name. Without an introduction, he already knew his story, he already knew his reputation, he already knew what everybody said about him, and he already knew what everybody would say about Jesus if Jesus went to this guy's house for dinner. But nonetheless, I love this, Jesus didn't look up to notice Zacchaeus, he looked up to invite Zacchaeus, Well. More accurately, he looked up to invite himself over to Zacchaeus's world. Which, by the way, is exactly how Jesus interacts with you. Oh, he knows you. He sees you. He knows your name. He knows your story. He knows how you've messed up long before you saw him. He saw you and he came after you and invited himself into your story. The only question is whether or not you said, yes, please. Like Zacchaeus. Did. I love this. I know who you are. I know what you've done. Got to come to your house. That's the grace of Jesus. I know what everyone says about you, and what they'll say about me, but I've got to come hang out at your house. I don't know if I've mentioned Jesus is calling us to be a church who accept people where they are, as they are, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter how many taxes they've squeezed. No matter what people say about them. And no matter what people might say about us. On account of our embracing and accepting them. Verse number 7. All the people saw this. And they began to mutter. All these religious folks. He's gone to the. The home to be a guest of a sinner. Um, Man, sadly, this is still true. It's the religious folk who often believe that we have a corner on the morality market. And it makes us super snooty and very superior. Looking down on people who we believe are less than us on account of the fact that they do that thing on account of the fact that they think that way on account of the fact that they struggle with that particular issue like we deserve more love than the Zacchaeuses do because well our brokenness at least it doesn't look like at least we're not we're not taxed those tax collectors though our brokenness is better it's prettier than that than, than those tax collectors At least we're not dealing with that dysphoria. At least we're not dealing with those inclinations. It's different. Like our brokenness is cuter to Jesus. It requires less blood for us to be cleansed of our particular sin. That's why at Mission Point we use these tiny little communion things. Because we didn't need that much blood. We just needed a top off. Man, may we be known as those people accused of embracing sinners, shady people, who messed up real bad, suspect characters, because that just makes us a movement of people who understand, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, you're broken, I'm broken, you're messed up, I'm messed up. <laughs> Jesus came. Jesus will teach for Himself here in. moment, And I don't know what Jesus and Zacchaeus talked about, but it must have been a festive conversation. Uh, Zacchaeus must have heard about the love of Jesus that meets and embraces messed up people where they are, as they are. He must have heard that tax collectors are not exempt from free forgiveness and the overrunning joy that is found in the love of Jesus. I don't know how that was conveyed, but Zacchaeus heard it. And he is stirred by the offer. Verse number eight. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord. Woo! How did we go from trending Jesus to now he's Lord? Something happened. Look, Lord. Here and now I give half. Of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount, in case anyone had any questions just how rich this guy was. Half of my possessions, and I'll pay back anyone I've cheated. Out of anything, four times the amount. Like, whoa, Z money. I didn't even ask you to do that. This guy encounters the love of Jesus just for a few moments. And he is ready to give away more than half his stuff. This is such a beautiful See, his whole life was about accumulating more and more and more and more wealth. And yet a moment with Jesus had this guy saying, I found something more beautiful, so filling, more fulfilling than all of my stuff. And he is ready to give it up or at least repurpose it. Verse number nine, Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Jesus just preaches the gospel of embrace. Um, The love of God has come to the most unexpected home. To the most unlikely person. And he says to them, because after all, Zacchaeus has in his veins the same blood that y'all do. He too is a son of Abraham, just like you. And I think there's an insinuation in that. Because this man right here has the same brokenness in his veins as the rest of you do. He is no more, no less deserving of the salvation that has shown up to his house Today, in the economy of heaven, I'm telling you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you may be into, you are no more, no less deserving than the person next to you. That's one of the reasons the church has to absorb an attitude that says, I embrace you where you are. Because you and me, same blood. And you and me, the same blood to rescue us from our brokenness, to make us whole. It takes the same thing for both of us. How could I possibly act or look or treat you as if I'm in any way better than you? Especially if I've experienced what it took to make me whole. Verse 10, Jesus says, for the son of man, that's Jesus himself came to seek and to save the lost, the most messed up, the most broken, the most, I don't feel like I should ever go into a church building again. Those people. That's who I came to introduce to my love. It is amazing that, again, it's often the religious community that is still shocked when Jesus goes after the people that are most broken, the people who've made the biggest messes. We're still surprised and even resistant when what we should be doing is joining him in his quest and finding ourselves in those very places, embracing and inviting people to the life that we've found, the life that is found in Jesus himself. But this story was, is so powerful because it, it, it captures and summarizes the things that we believe Jesus is calling us to be and be about this year. Not just a few of us, but every single one of us. Did you see those things emerge in the story? They are hard to miss. Jesus is calling us, recalling us to embrace people where they are. Embrace people. with. Stop withholding love Stop demanding that people change first. That's not what Jesus did. That's not what Jesus did for you. That's not what Jesus did with. Zacchaeus, long before this national traitor, long before this religious outcast had done anything remotely commendable to God, remotely commendable to this community, Jesus left thousands of people insisting on going to this man's house for dinner, which was a symbol of acceptance and embrace. It was his statement, I will meet you and embrace you where you are as You are. I must come to your house. Before I transform you, I love you. And if you never accept my transformation, I love you. None. The less. I'm just asking, will you say yes with us this year to being a a person who meets and accepts people where they are, even though we may disapprove or disagree of their behavior? This, by the way, is not to say shut off wisdom, be a dumb person. That's not what this is. This is not saying, or join them in what they're doing. This is not saying agree. It's saying embrace and accept them where they are as they are. Their dreams matter as much as your dreams matter. Their stories are worth listening to. Their pain is worth carrying. Their joy is worth championing. Let's meet people where they are. I want people to have questions about us as a church and you as people who are part of this church. Not because of what we do, but because of who we embrace. Because of who we consider equally broken. Equally in need of the grace of Jesus Christ. May we be that church. Do you know the kinds of people that go to Mission Point Community Church? Do you know where I saw them on Saturday? May we be that church. Do you know the kinds of people that they have over to their house for dinner? Do you even know the kinds of people? They are friends of sinners. May that be said of us. And may we always say absolutely because we're a bunch of sinners. All in need. The grace of Jesus. Did you see in this story encouraging each other? to love Jesus just a little bit more. He's 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 calling us to this. That we might be a, a movement of people who don't just embrace people where they are, but a movement of people who is completely convinced that life in its richest and its fullest is found at the feet and in the presence and in the person of Jesus. I can't really love you and not tell you where the best stuff is found. You may not agree to go, I'll love you still. But I can't love you and not tell you like, oh, I've got to come alongside and encourage you. Let's go and drink deeply of life. I'm just saying I will love you if you eat hearties for the rest of your life. But do I really love you if I've not ever told you about the spicy chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A? What kind of monster would I be? Thank you. No, come on, we do this all the time. If you find something that is entirely delightful, you want the people you love to experience and enjoy it too. And therefore we must, listen, if you tell me you love and embrace people where they are and you champion that because there's so many of us who love coward-like. And all we're doing is just silently approving. But I'm telling you, if your embrace never leads to encouraging people to something better and more beautiful, I have questions. We don't just embrace. No, we encourage people to more, which is what Jesus did. I'm coming to your house because I love you, but I can't leave here without saying, oh, the kingdom of God is here now. There is something so much richer than your riches. And so may we be a movement like that. And this is so awesome. I love this story of. Zacchaeus believes Jesus, and is like yeah, I, I found in you something so beautiful. And if you go back two weeks to Luke chapter seven, there there's a prostitute who, I don't know who Jesus is, but he is so beautiful. He's worth me pouring out a year's worth of my perfume on him. And then Mary of of of. Bethany, who, who says, I would really just rather hang out at his feet than go through my five year plan and my to do list and check things off. I think sometimes we say Martha, she was the linear one, and Mary was the relational one. I, I don't know. If you read that story, it says Mary chose. It didn't say Mary was predisposed to sit at Jesus' feet, it says she chose. She had to have chosen that over a bunch of other things because it was too good to be with Jesus. We want to be a movement that continues to tell people that's where it's at. That's where life is at. He's worth everything. He's worth giving everything up just for a glimpse. We need to remind each other Jesus is better than all that we are chasing. And so you're going to hear us even over the course of the years. We invite you into places where we're talking about Jesus. If you come into this room, we'll be talking about Jesus. We will embrace you where you are, but you're going to hear us talk about Jesus. And we're going to encourage you, get back into community with each other. Because that's where we come alongside each other and say, how's your walk with Jesus this week, right? That's where we come alongside each other. You Get into the classes that we're constantly teaching about how you better follow and enjoy the person of Jesus Christ. We don't just do that stuff because that's what churches ought to do. We do that because that's how we want to encourage people to love Jesus a little bit more. And we trust that you're going to say yes to those things more this year. But man, the last thing that shows up here is mission. Mission, I don't know if you noticed mission here. Zacchaeus encounters the love of Jesus. And his immediate response, immediate response, must serve the poor. What? Such a weight has been lifted from my soul. I must lighten the load. The most burdened in my world are carrying. That's his immediate response. Must serve the hurting. Must serve the broken. His response to the love of Jesus is mission. Not as a necessary prerequisite for the love of Jesus. There are no prerequisites for the love of Jesus. And they shouldn't be with us. But as a necessary response to the love of Jesus, because as Jesus said in a different uh, controversial dinner, we looked at this two weeks ago, Luke chapter seven, verse 47, he says, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And the converse is true. Whoever's been forgiven of a great debt is going to love much, is going to get out of there and love Greatly. If we're followers of Jesus, who've been forgiven of our sin, we will necessarily love the hurting and the broken in our world. No question about it. This church mission point was launched on that truth. Those who've been forgiven much love much. Jesus has lifted burdens off of our souls. We've got to figure out who are the most burdened in our world and run after them and figure out how do we lighten their burdens. How do we lift the heaviness off the shoulders of the most broken and the most hurting in our world? That those of us who say we, we hang out at the feet of Jesus and we found the source of life in the person of Jesus Christ. Those of us who enjoy being at the feet of Jesus. Oh, the Bible will say over and over again are the same people who jump up on our feet and we run into the darkness. We run into the most broken places to figure out how do we carry the light and the love of Jesus into those spaces. Mission is a proof of love, the church that is richest in Jesus. Love will be the most generous with the love of Jesus. Show me a church that revels in its forgiveness. Show me a church that hangs out in the presence of Jesus and find life in him. I'll show you a church that is crazy on mission. Figuring out how do we lighten the burdens. How do we share what it is that we ourselves are experiencing. Embracing people where they are. Encouraging each other. To love Jesus more. And that will lead to us figuring out what it looks like to take that into the world around us. We believe Jesus is calling us, come on Mission Point, to re-engage his mission. This year, every single one of us, not just some of us, but all of us. And in fact, what we believe is calling us to focus on this year makes room for every single person, whoever you are, whatever your background is, whatever your training is, that you can do something. It's not going to be the same thing, but it is going to be something. For all of us, we want to start somewhere and to do something this year. Even if it's just one thing, we want to say yes to the mission Not because we're trying to earn the love of Jesus, but because it is the overflow of the love that we continue to experience from him. So in a second here, Kirsten's going to come out and she's going to introduce you uh, to to our focus this year. And she's going to tell you a little bit about what we believe we can all be a part of. This is not the only thing, but it's an area we believe is calling us to focus around. And man, there is a place for You. Um, Before she does that, I want to read uh, one passage of scripture. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand as we do that. Um, If you are able, please do. Uh, This chapter of scripture is written into the DNA of our church. And the chunk of this passage is God speaking to his people. And his people are putting God on trial and they're complaining, God, we show up to church every week. And we give our money every week and we dress appropriately and we deodorize and we show up and we're just curious to know, God, why aren't you moving? Why aren't you healing our kids? Why aren't you awakening the community? Why aren't you breaking forth? Why isn't there revival, God? Why aren't you doing your thing? And God responds to his people. Verse number two, Isaiah 58. For day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and they seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted or worshipped? They say, and you've not seen it, God. Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? Then God responds, verse 4. Your fasting or your worship or your worship services. They end in quarreling and strife. Check your social media. And in striking each other with wicked fists and saying cruel things about each other. You cannot worship as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of worship I've chosen? Only one day a week for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed going through the motions? And for lying in sackcloth and ashes? These are the things they did in their worship services. In their worship experience. Is that what you call. A fast or worship. A day acceptable to the Lord. Verse 6. Is this not the kind of worship I have chosen. Loose the chains of injustice. Untie the cords of the yoke. Set the oppressed free. And break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry. And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. And when you see the naked. Clothe them. And do not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help. And he will say, here am I. If you do away with a yoke of oppression. With a pointing finger and the malicious talk. And if you spend yourself and your stuff in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun scorched land. No matter what a pandemic does, he will provide for you and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like well-watered gardens and like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. And I'm just telling you, if that's our experience, it will be the richest year yet. Those who've been forgiven much, listen, I appreciate all of your showing up at church on Sunday. But if Sunday worship doesn't translate into Mission Monday... God says y'all have missed the point and Jesus is calling us, come on, play your part in finding the most burdened in your community and do something about it and watch what I do. You're waiting on me, I'm waiting on y'all. Kirsten, somebody stop me, come on out. Um, You can sit, by the way. Kirsten's going to share a number of practical things, encourage you to give her your fullest of attention...
1: What I love about this morning is a sequence of how we started it, first by talking about communion and about baptism, this idea where our burdens, the burdens we were carrying of all of our sins were lightened by Jesus coming onto the, into the earth and saving us. And we reflect on that through communion and the breaking of his body, the spilling of his blood, lightening our burdens, right? And then we will celebrate soon baptism, reflecting what that has done in our lives. And now we talk and we, we express simply the ways that us as a church are to live on mission and just like repeating what Kano just said, spending that time in this sequence now where we are invited to think through ways. How are we individually, each person here, there is no exception, finding a way to lighten someone else's burden because we have been lightened in some way. We have had something removed from our shoulders, because of the act of Jesus. And that should propel us, that is contagious. It's inspiring, but sometimes we need reminders. I was thinking, maybe I should get this tattooed like everywhere, how do we remember this? Write it on our mirrors, because we forget. The application part of when we meet together as a church is so important. I used to sit, I usually sit in the back, and I would listen, and I would daydream. I'm sure none of you do that while you're listening here, but my daydreaming would just include like different ways of like, man, what would it look like if I actually just said what you know Jeff or Kondo said and implemented it into my life? But wait a second, what if we all did that? What if we all started practicing confession, or we all started thinking about our money differently and use it, seeing it used to glorify God? What if, what if, what if? And it would be so exciting to me. So it's exciting today to think through, like, this is what we're going to do. This is why we have that mission corner out there. This is why we have a mission coordinator, because we want to not just be here and to learn, but to be moved by the power of God and what he has done for us. Asking ourselves, who did we feed, right? Like, that's gonna be the question as we look at um, in the verses in Matthew. Who, who did you clothe? Who was naked and did you clothe them? Who did you feed? Those are questions I hope that we continuously ask ourselves. Who did you notice with a great burden that you stepped in to lighten it for them? We will be the light in this community if each of us each of us, is embracing that. It's central to living on mission. It's central to, for us as a church. We want each of you to find your own place to start something, to do something, to find your lane when it comes to your circle, your passions, the gifts that you have, and keep running. But us as a church, we have, and if you've been around for a while, you know that our start something, do something, our avenue of wanting to lighten the burden comes with vulnerable children in our community and across the world. Caring for the vulnerable populations, the vulnerable children, is the evidence of our faith as we look at James one twenty seven, to look after the orphan, the vulnerable, the vulnerable in our culture, and the widow in their distress. Stress. That is pure faith. So we take it very seriously. It's what makes us rich, and we'll make this the richest year yet. The burden of the vulnerable child is great, and that's why we care so deeply about it. There's so many different avenues of what that might look like, but we know that You can't learn anything when you're hungry and you can't feel safe when you know that home isn't safe. And so you're constantly worried and you're um, distracted, wondering when your next meal might be. I was a few years ago, an educator shared with me how a child came in and just said, um, Mrs., you know, so-and-so, do you think that my mom really loves me? And the answer is, we know that parents are loved by their children, but the ability to experience that and express that can be difficult. There are kids hurting in our community, in our schools, wherever we look. And so finding our ways, understanding that the burden they carry, whether they are you know, an infant or a teenager, is heavy. And so many of you have been a part of Mission Point, and you've taken this on in so many different ways, and we celebrate you. There's someone here who have become CASAs, the court appointed special advocates. Some of you are volunteering your time at the schools already. Um, some of you have become personal chefs and, you know, laundry People, you know, for some of our foster families, I don't know what you call those. Um, some of our college students have done tutoring and mentored so many of these kids that we've been aware of that just need an extra buddy. This is happening in Mission Point already, and we want to continue doing that anymore. Or ever more. Mission Point, help me find my lane. Um, as a foster parent, I sat where you sat several years ago when Jamie Kozer was giving us so many different opportunities as a missions coordinator to say like, where do you fit in all of this? I landed as a foster parent. You may too, but that's not our hope. We're not looking that everyone would say yes to fostering, yes to adopting by bringing a child into your home, but we are asking you to find your way. What I didn't know back then would be that there are 13,000 kids in foster care in Indiana that there are only 6,200 licensed foster families. And that when it comes to teenagers, it is so hard to find a home for them. I mean, teenagers, I was a booger back in the day. Teenagers can be hard. But the thing that's unique in Indiana right now is there's been a crisis of no homes for teenagers. So they are actually being placed in behavioral facilities where usually that would be for kids who are at risk behaviorally in some way. But now these teenagers are having to be placed there and they're without a home. So in Indiana, there has been a, like a, a big push this last year to get those kids out of those facilities. There's, that's no place for a child. And so they are making calls. I kid you not. I probably get three to five calls a week, excuse me, three to five calls a week asking about this. Sibling groups, there is such a need. I did not know this. My eyes were not opened, but I was able to ask myself questions. What am I seeing around me as it relates to the vulnerable child? And I knew I could step in and we want you to step in in some way too. So as we think about our mission focus for 2022, we're looking at this concept of wrapped. Champions for home and hope for every child. That's what we want you each to be is a champion. A champion is someone who believes and acknowledges and then makes a plan to make a difference in a child's life. Andy Stanley talks about how being able to do for one kid what you wish you could do for all kids. We want you to find one of those options, a way for you to do it, and there are many. We will commit to helping you learn what those ways are. We want to champion home, meaning we believe that children belong in families. They don't believe in those institutions and the the facilities they have, they belong in families where they're gonna be cared for and nurtured in some way. We also know that those families need resources and connections to be able to do that really well, and we want to help them do that. We also know that some children find themselves in a place where they need a home. And we want to help provide those homes or help others feel like they can provide a home. Then hope. We want, all of this is for the hope of Jesus Christ, right? When we go in and we step in and we alleviate anyone's burdens, we're hoping it's directing them right back to Jesus and that his light is shining higher and brighter. It's the act of letting a child know that they are seen that they are desired, that someone wants them, that in a person we can express that because we know ultimately it's God who expresses that and we want to bring them hope. And this is for every child in so many different avenues. It's the teen mom through Heartline Pregnancy Center. It's the connections with the school like we've talked about. It's supporting the single mom, the teachers that we've talked to. It's you know, encouraging the DCS workers and all the things that they see. We want to be a church that wraps around, that surrounds every child being champions of home and hope couple of years ago in one of the sermons we talked about how we want to be the church that is seen as the crazy church that all they do is they care about these kids and they're doing all these things and that is what we want to continue to keep doing and we don't just mean like i've said before fostering and adopting so we see this in different levels like a 101 201 301 think about your class syllabus back in the day the 101 would be that anyone can do something choose one and just do it So maybe that is attending one of our love ops. All of those are connected to a vulnerable child in some way. We are going to work with Agatas this year, our sports ministry, supermarket sweep, getting food on the tables of children, as well as Love Ed, which was supporting and um, celebrating our frontline educators. But the 101 for you could just be that you are going to call Heartline once a month and ask them what size diapers are they low on. Or maybe you're going to look through your clothes, or when you're thrifting at Goodwill because you love that, you're gonna pick up some really nice, gently used clothing to drop off at 108 Grace Brethren's foster care closet. Maybe you're just gonna commit that you're gonna buy cereal couple boxes of cereal every week or every month to drop off at combined community services. Choosing one is what we believe would at least get a start for us as a church. We commit to bringing up ways and practical things for you to be like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. All of our love love ops intend to do that. We make a big fuss and we do something grand with the hopes that later on you will figure out a way to implement that into your day-to-day life. You will expect we'll have some info meetings as it does be like, um, as we do want to talk about becoming a foster parent and what that might look like. 201 would be more of like the preventative care to a biological family. We already have families in our church who are committed to come alongside a family that has um, a need, and that that need, if it's not filled, could mean that they lose their kids, and we don't want that to happen. We want to empower them to do that. 201 could also be stepping in to provide direct support to an adoptive family right as their kids come home or to a foster family through the duration of their of their time in someone's home, becoming that aunt and uncle or becoming someone who brings a meal, having more of a consistent, not just a one-time yes to the situation. And then 301, we jumping and saying, yes, let's hear more about adoption. We're, being, we're serious about this or yes, let's talk more about foster care. And again, our commitment in that 301 concept would be that we will find ways to support you. Um, so many of our churches in this community are saying yes to foster care and wanting to have a, a part in that. So helping you to know what's happening in our community to do it. We want everyone to choose something and to start somewhere. And that's what makes us excited to be this church. And when you are figuring those things out, share with us, tell us, let us celebrate with you. But as we move on with Wrapped and what we're starting for this year, I'm gonna now talk about our first love op, which we have done for many years. And that is um, a basket, a support basket to adoptive families in our church who have adopted in the last two years or um, a foster family. And this year we are extending this to any foster family with an active placement in Cosquiasco County. This is 30 different families who have said yes, who have had kids in their homes ranging from zero to 19 from what my records are seeing. And we want to support them. We want to lighten the burden that they carry of not having, like not children, children are not the burden, but saying yes to something that is Adding an inconvenience, it's adding. Um, there is a a learning curve in that, and doing something hard to remove someone else's burden. So we want to lighten their load by providing um, different ways to to support them. We have asked, we have sent out emails asking for suggestions for self care items, what they would do if they had a date night or a friends night out, um, practical needs they might have. We are planning to bring them a hot meal upon delivery. Um, an activity for their family. We've been gathering all that information and now we want to invite you to, to cling to one of those and take it. But before I start giving you some of those details of how to make this happen, I wanna give you a little warning. It wasn't designed, the system of how all of this works, where I'm going to ask you to grab an envelope, take it home, and then bring it back, and then bring something with you. It's not designed to be simple, because serving and sacrificing for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom is not meant to be easy. Of course it can be, and there are times where that's fitting, but it is something that is on our minds, on our hearts. And so these, these additional steps are hope, um, allow us to be thinking more intentionally about it. Trust me, I would love to be able to say, like, everyone just go online and let's give money. Let's do this in their times and places. And we will do that later. But for now, we want to start by stopping at the mission corner. I know it might be awkward and you're ready to get your kids, but stop there. Let's have a small conversation. Ask questions to get involved. So what you're going to see in the mission corner when you walk out, there would be a several different colors of envelopes that have on them listed some type of gift card or an item that's being requested by a foster or adoptive parent. We ask that you grab that. There are instructions inside that would tell you to please bring back this item in the next two weeks. Again, that could be gift cards or um, money or a specific item. We have included several things, like I mentioned before. There's also some like creative ways to say, hey, I'd love to create a game night for a family, or I'd love to create a movie night for a family if that might be you. We also have these silver envelopes. These are made for my college students that I'm seeing around here. These are snacks that are just unique to the foster or adoptive family. This one says checks mix. So let me tell you, you literally can leave here, go to the BP grab the checks, Mix, leave it in your carton next week, and just bring it back in next week. It's super simple. I'll have a stack of these for you college students. Come and find me. But we hope that you would consider one of these things. And if you are not, if you want to take your time to make these decisions, we understand that. So check out the table. We will be there next week. Um, but just know we want you to invite you to pray and consider how you might help. Next week, we'll also share more of how you can be a part of putting these baskets together and delivering them. So listen, I've said a lot of things. And my only ask today would be that with someone, you just say, okay, so what was said in our church today? Because there was a lot of different things about our love up, about the mission, about communion. And maybe just ask that question of what are we gonna do now? What is something that we can start and have those questions to be able to move forward? Because we believe that the light of Jesus Christ will be on display when we're saying yes to one of these things and moving it forward. I'm going to make a very quick prayer and then I'm going to move you on out and I will hopefully see you at the mission corner. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for lightening the burden that we have. God for seeing our sin, the things that held us back, the things that we didn't want to do but we kept doing and stepping into that and lightening the burden forevermore. God, may that be contagious. May that be the overflow of our heart that when we're interacting with people at at work and after work and um, in our home and in our friends and our circles that we would remember that we can represent you by lightening someone else's burden, to visually see the people that we love and to take something to remove it from them so that they might see you clearer, so that they might come to know you as their savior, God. Help us to realize that these small things make a difference, that these items delivered to the foster and adoptive homes might just help them feel seen or heard or known or identified with. And then that ultimately would allow them to see you because that's what you do for us, God. So may we act in a way, live on a mission mission in a way that is an overflow of what you have done for us. And may we as a church be contagious in talking about these things and making a movement that every child in our community would feel seen and heard, feel safe, and that they would have wrap around support, God. Thank you in advance for what you're gonna do and that we have people in this congregation that are willing to say yes, amen.